0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times.
1: Hello and welcome to The Letter from the Bureau, a special series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashree Garika. Now, The Letter from the Bureau is like a scenic detour from the raging news of the day. We talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises that break around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States, and Europe, and they share with you interesting trends and events unfolding in their countries. In our 17th episode, we are speaking with the Straits Times China correspondent, Or Cheng Wei. Great to have you back on the show, Cheng Wei.
0: Thanks, Bagya, for having me.
1: So Cheng Wei, you recently reported on some very interesting things that are taking place in a public park, which is right next to the famous Tiananmen Square. Now you say something, this something special has been going on in this park twice a week, and then COVID hit and shut that park down. So tell us about that. What's been going on?
0: Well, Pagya, the park has been a hotbed of activity among the elders, uh, the elderly be- Beijingers. it seems. People go there to look for love twice a week, uh, once on Tuesday and once on Saturday. They kind of have plaza dancers and these matchmaking sessions uh, going on at the square all the way from afternoon to evening.
1: Okay, that's so interesting. I mean, yes, romancing in the park is age old, but then in this case the people happen to be age old, right? So tell yes. us about the setting for these uh, love stories in the park. What is that park like?
0: Well, Bagia, yeah, the park is not compared with, I guess, the other more famous parks in Beijing, like Rutan. But it is pretty, let's just say it serves its purpose. You know, there's a nice yes. pavilion. There's a little river. You know, over the river we have bridges, stone bridges. And also there's even a plaza, right? So where the people can meet and dance. In that sense, you know, it's, it's quite an ancient Chinese architectural um, looking place. So, uh, mm-hmm. and you have all these elderly sometimes some of them dress up for the occasion because I think they're trying to meet someone to, to, who, who might take a fancy upon them, so you see them wearing mm-hmm. red, you see them wearing um, glitter even uh, and then there mm-hmm. are some people who choose to go more lowbrow and sometimes the men also dress up you know, it's not just the ladies uh, I've right. seen uh, the men there and they come in suits uh, some perhaps throw back to the Mao era uh, maybe that's something nostalgic I'm not sure yeah, so in that sense, it is perhaps uh, finding romance with Chinese characteristics, if you will.
1: <laughs> so pretty cool. But um, tell me, uh, this particular park, why this park? I mean, there are so many other parks in Beijing. What's the connection? So
0: um, the park's history goes back, I mean, the park's kind of like dating history goes back to like 2006, where there was one major event, uh, dating event for the elderly held there. So since then, um, apparently the elderly told me there that, oh, because it is not quite a, a conspicuous park, you know, it's not set in the neighbourhood where you get your neighbourhood, your residents visiting the park. It is kind of in a touristy spot, but it's kind of overshadowed by, say, Tiananmen Square or even the Forbidden Palace. Hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like left alone. Subsequently, it then gained new life when it found a, when the elderly found a purpose it's kind of like in the city center, so it's convenient. But at the same time, it's kind of overlooked. I guess I would imagine it's a bit like Kiong Baru Plaza, right? You have uh. more attracting all the people. But the Delta neighborhood park next to it is kind of like forgotten in some sense, right? Yeah, overshadowed. But it provides that privacy, if you will, to you know this elderly who are maybe a bit shy. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So it sounds like a perfect setting then. Yes. Uh, although I believe it does get very crowded.
0: It does, it does, it does. It's kind of like, maybe a bit like Fight Club. If you know, you know, and like, you know, you Hmm. just go in there and you kind of know what people there are also there for.
1: Right, so you know what you're doing and the others know it too, so it's all very convenient. Okay, so tell me, I mean, what is so different about this particular trend in China that you wanted to write about it? I mean, old folks are lonely all over the world and all over the world there is this trend of, you know, wanting companionship in your old age. So what are the Chinese characteristics about this particular trend?
0: I think what stuck out for me the most is more so than perhaps other countries that I've seen and visited, China focuses a lot on a complete family unit. The idea that, you know, you are not complete without, say, a family or a spouse, you know, the, the stories right. that I've been doing on having children, right, right Um, kind of emphasizes that family unit in Chinese culture. But there are also people who perhaps are unhappily married, or perhaps people who uh, have lost their spouses or you know have just not been that lucky in love, right? And they are a minority in perhaps an overwhelmingly uh, coupled society. So um, you see all these stories about as China gets more developed and richer, there are all these perhaps um, alternative lifestyles, if you will, that because, you know, the, the, people that are getting more, the people here are getting more affluent, and therefore they, they have spending power and they are attracting attention. So it is kind of like a defiance towards, say, the traditional family unit where, okay, even if you're unhappily married, you should stay married because, you know, for the family and the stuff, there's that idea that you should uh, not sacrifice, but you should perhaps um, consider other kinds of uh, arrangements about staying married. Uh, Because that is that look that people desire and aspire to, but these are also people who then say, you know, I'm not satisfied with this anymore, and I want my own life. So in that sense, it is part of this growing uh, sense among the affluent Chinese that I want to live my own life and not so much be part of like a community, you know, a family unit. Who am I as a person, and do I have the power to pursue? my own romance, my own love, my own story in that sense. And I think that is what stuck out to me the most, that, you know, despite their perhaps older ages, they have not given up on wanting something new and wanting to kind of like feel alive as, you know, all the love stories tell us that that's what romance does.
1: Right. So this tinge of, I guess, individualism, you know, wanting something for yourself while staying true to the, old cultural uh, Chinese ideals about a watch, what a perfect or an ideal family unit should look like. And like you say, China's becoming older, it's becoming richer, and therefore all these things are arising. So at the same time, are you seeing more acceptability for this trend? So is it okay with, for instance, with, you know, these, these are old folks, so they probably have adult children. So is it okay with their children that they, you know, that the dad's looking for love or the mom is um and like you say, divorce is not not really um acceptable even now. Uh but is this part of it okay? Are children all right with their old parents looking for, you know, a second shot or or like you say, even the first shot at romance?
0: Well, um their children kinda of, are kind of brought up in a perhaps even more level society than than their parents. So um the people that I spoken with, their children have not expressed so much, uh, I guess unhappiness with the way that they have gone on to look for love. In fact, some are encouraging. But there's always a caveat, you know, because there is this sense that um, that perhaps their elderly father, if on the on his journey to find new love, might find someone who's perhaps to put it across, crudely a gold digger, right? Oh yes, who's just looking for someone like a, again to put it across, crudely a sugar daddy to pay for her... Uh, needs. So, there are certain caveats here, right? That um, those right. children kind of set for their parents to um, draw right. a boundary. Like, for example, not having to include this person in their will. Uh,
1: yeah, okay, well. right. Yes. So, I guess we've seen instances of this happening in Singapore and in other countries as well. So, that certainly strikes a chord. And, of course, it is the family or the children being protective, I guess. So, yeah, that's all part of being human.
0: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode.
1: Now, let's get back to my conversation with the Straits Times China correspondent, o Ching Wei. Now, there is this other side to it as well. You say that, you know, some uh, folks are making money of loneliness. Uh, so, what are the numbers? Are people is this uh, making money? Are there startups?
0: I think um, that is where the story kind of gets interesting for me as well. Like because uh, they're kind of using platforms that uh, teenagers, or not teenagers, but younger people use like Tinder for older people. So there are ads uh. dedicated to that, and you know that in itself is a huge market. So there's consultancies that kind of put. Uh, the number of singles across the country looking for love at about 50 million, and the market is mm. between 30 billion yuan to 50 billion yuan, which is kind of like between wow. Singapore dollar six billion and 10 billion. So it is a very huge market, and there are all these different ways that people are kind of tapping into into how lucrative it is. You have these apps, premium dating services, and even you know on social media, like. The Chinese version of TikTok doing There are also online matchmakers who kind of reach out to singles across the country who then get on their programs and say, "Hey, look, this person is looking for love. Are there any person? Is there someone else interested in this person? What What would you like to know about this person?" And all of these can kind of like charge fees, and that's all this industry is making
1: Yeah, Yeah, reminds me a bit of you know the boomers, um, the you know in the in America, for instance, you know the people who are. Grown old, have money to spend, and you know want to spend money on themselves. So, I guess there's shades of this everywhere in the world. Uh, so, well, how does this story end? Is this like happily ever after? Is there any data on that?
0: Not quite, because there's also this thing where people go on dating shows on TV for the elderly, and uh, some of them are happily coupled, but a lot of them actually are not. And some of the reports that have come out of it uh, attribute this to because people have gone through um, perhaps a very sad romance in their life. Not sad as an SAD, but SET. So they have gone through marriages and the stuff. So sometimes they're also looking for something more casual, hmm. right? So they are like, we want companionship and we know what we are looking for very specifically. And sometimes the more hmm. specific you are, the harder it is, could be to find companionship or love. So there hasn't been quite that many success stories and I think even um, uh, outlets that track how well these couples do after a few years tend to tend to say that, okay, you know what, maybe it worked for a couple of months, a few months, but eventually they go back to a, to their own lives because there's also this sense that I know who I am as, a, as I grow older in life and maybe I'm not that willing to negotiate uh, with someone else and how to, in Chinese, the term is more her, to so kind of like melt two lives into one. That's a lot of work. And sometimes when you right. older, you're just not that, Keen on doing that because you want to live your own life, but there's always that struggle, right? That
1: maybe right. I just want to
0: find love too. So in that sense, that that internal dilemma is very real. Right. Yeah. So maybe not the so best
1: stories. So I guess we can safely conclude that they haven't cracked it either, right? Like the rest of us. No. it's a struggle. I think.
0: Oh, okay. I think one thing I kind of like take away from this whole, uh, doing this story is that actually every one of us is kind of like a work in progress when we are looking for love. You know, True. it's quite that, right? That when we look for someone, there's this whole process of getting to a person, trying to stay with that person and stuff like that. And with different persons, uh, different things fit. You kind of have to like, look at yourself and look at the other person and think, you know, this is, is this suitable for you. And I think this is something that kind of struck me when I was doing this story that no matter how old you are, if you're still interested in finding who you are as a person, you kind of have to do that in relation to someone
1: else. Right. Yeah. So get an earlier start on it, folks. (laughs) And that's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to read Cheng Wei's column, we have a link for you in our podcast description box. And you will also find there a link to other stories that have appeared in our Letter from the Bureau series.
0: That was a podcast by The Straits Times.